Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number six, which is honestly kind of crazy. So far, six episodes of the Rise Above series. And if you're new here, this is just a really cool place where I interview guests who have gone through extraordinary life events and have suffered setbacks and what they have done to rise above. And today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Landry Champlin, and she is a Texas-born, New York City-based entertainer, advocate, author, founder, and small business owner. She was inspired by her own experiences living fearlessly as a person who stutters. So she decided to publish her children's book series, Fiona the Fearless Fox, to further inspire children to face their fears in an effort to achieve their dreams. In 2021, Landry founded her 501c3 nonprofit organization, the Live Fearless Foundation, with a mission to empower students across the nation to fearlessly pursue their dreams. Most recently, Landry earned her Bachelor's of Music from Oklahoma City University and is now pursuing an acting career in NYC. And when she isn't on stage or in an audition, you can help her. You can find her. No, you could help her. She might be hiring, but no, you can find her helping women prepare for their next pageant through her small consulting business, Pageant Prep by Landry. That was a mouthful, but hi. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. It's just so hard when you're so accomplished. There's you know, just so, there's a lot to say. Lengthy. I've lived nine lives, some could say. Crazy. <laughs> Well, I am so excited to have you here. And for people that don't know, I actually know Landry personally. Some of my guests I have are just referrals. And so I, I don't have a relationship with them. But Landry and I were actually, we shared a, we call them sister queens, guys. Yeah. I know it's cheesy, but she was Miss Southlake. I was Miss Westlake in 2022. We were Lakers. We were the Lakers. We are the Lakers. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And we were given these incredible jerseys that I actually still wear because I really think it's cool. And it yeah. said the Lakers on it. And it's the only sports related apparel that I own. Right. It's actually, they're very like professional. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm really part of something. It's great. Yeah. Shout out Danae and Bryce Couch for that. They Literally. were our directors. And they're the best. <laughs> they're the best. They are. Yeah. So you have quite the story. I guess just start at the beginning, wherever yes. that is. Okay. Um, the beginning for me, honestly, um, I, so I'm 22 now. Um, I just graduated from college. Uh, but before any of that crazy stuff happened, um, I grew up with a pretty severe speech impediment, weirdly enough. Um, when I was really young, I was diagnosed with a rare form of stuttering called blocking, um, which essentially is basically when your brain and your mouth like don't match up. So what'll happen is there's like a misfiring of brain nerves or wavelengths, or I don't know the term, um, but it'll cause my throat to close up while I'm talking. So it's like an involuntary block. Um, and it'll happen in times when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, when I'm anxious. Um, but when I was a kid, it would happen all the time, all the time. So anytime I got up on stage, um, to talk as a kid, if that ever happened, if I got up in front of the class, if I had to order my own food or rest, if I had to order my own food at a restaurant, um, I would stutter. And so I grew up pretty self-conscious as a kid because one, I didn't want people to know. Um, and two, I was just really embarrassed because like who wants to be the weird kid that stutters? Not me. I definitely did not. Um, so because of that, for most of my childhood, I was super shy. I was really shy. I didn't like talking to people, didn't have a ton of friends. Um, and I started singing actually, because it's impossible to stutter while you sing fun fact. Um, and so I started singing when I was six and kind of fell in love with it. I kind of fell in love with like, I don't know, this new life that I had this almost superpower of like, Oh my gosh, I'm totally normal when I sing. Cause I can't stutter. Um, and that led me into the performance world a little bit, which is kind of how I ended up doing everything that I'm doing now. So, um, I started singing when I was six, I performed around the Dallas Fort Worth area as a kid. Um, and then competed in pageants when I was 14, I got tucked into it by, um, a friend that I had that I grew up singing with. Um, and I ended up kind of really loving it a lot. I got into it because of talent. Um, and yeah, through that experience, I kind of learned like 
it's okay to stutter in front of people because you have to talk when you compete in a pageant, right? Um, right. But I, yeah, there's a little bit of talking involved. Just a um, little bit. I learned through that experience that like it was okay to stand up in front of somebody and like be 100% yourself and like stutter in front of them if that's, you know, a thing that happens to you. Um, and it was a really informative life experience for me. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started with my nonprofit, which is called the Live Fearless Foundation. Um, I wrote some children's books about this idea of being fearless, because for me, that's kind of what competing in pageants was. It was this way to step outside of my comfort zone, not only as a singer, as a performer, but as a person who never really saw herself getting on stage and talking in front of people. Um, and it completely changed the trajectory of my life. So yeah, it's kind of where we started, where we ended up. Okay. I have so yeah. many questions. I guess I'll start with stuttering because yeah. quite honestly, I think you might be the only person that I know in in my circle of friends that has struggled with stuttering. So would it ever happen when you were just talking with kids at school? It's because it, when it started when you were nine? Um, so, so it started when I was three. I was three when it oh. started. Um, yeah, it was something that I was like born with. When I started forming coherent sentences, my parents were like, oh, something's not right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, right? Um, so that's when I was diagnosed with it. And the crazy thing is, is they told me I would grow out of it. Um, because most kids do, you know, we hear of a lot of kids that have some kind of a speech impediment, they might, you know, not be able to pronounce a letter correctly, or they might have a lisp or like, you know, things like that. And most of the time you grow out of it. And I just never did. Um, and so that was also kind of daunting a little bit. But but yeah, I, I would go to talk to somebody new, I would talk to like my own family, I would talk to kids in schools. Um, and yeah, I would stutter and it wasn't like stuttering in a conventional way where you get stuck on a word it was like I would just stop talking it was like an involuntary break in my speech so it was it was really odd and people didn't really know how to take it and I didn't know how to explain it you know I didn't know how to explain what was happening so yeah it was it was a really weird experience and I ended up never growing out of it it's still something that I deal with today but I've gotten a lot better at like maneuvering it and coping with it. So, um, yeah, it's gotten a lot better. Do you, well, good. That's really good that, that it's better. <laughs> so, so, I mean, obviously if, um, well, I, I have seen Landry compete and she is a very eloquent speaker. So uh, you would never guess it in a million years, but, um, if you haven't, obviously you can hear her talk now and you're very well-spoken. Um, but okay. So it started when you were three and gosh, I couldn't even imagine like middle school and elementary school just seems like a very brutal place. And I was homeschooled. So I, I really yeah. never experienced getting bullied or yeah. anything to that degree. So was there like a peak moment that you can remember where you just felt crushed by like kids not wanting to be your friend or bullying you? Yeah. 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 Um, what was so weird is I find that my stuttering and my confidence are directly correlated. Like it's so weird. So, um, when I was in elementary school, you know, you haven't really hit puberty yet. You're not super self-conscious yet most of the time. And so, um, when I was in like third, fourth, fifth grade, it wasn't as big of an issue. Uh, but when I got to middle school and you start to become more aware of yourself, more aware of your body, um, you know, the confidence kind of starts to go. It's like the awkward phase. That's when it got bad. Um, and I remember, oh gosh, I think I was probably a sixth or seventh grader. I was sitting in the cafeteria. We would sit there and wait for the bell to ring to go to our first class. Um, and I was talking to a girl that I had been pretty good friends with all throughout elementary school. Um, and I don't even know what we were talking about, but I stuttered in like the middle of a funny moment. And she like imitated what I had done back to me. And I had like never had that done to me before where like somebody was making fun of it and like the way that I spoke. Um, and I remember just like getting up mid conversation, going to the bathroom and hiding for like 30 to 45 minutes. Like I didn't even go to the first class of the day because um, I was just so mortified that like that's how other people saw it. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a peak experience for me when I first like really noticed. And that kind of carried all the way through middle school because that happened like very beginning of my sixth grade year. Um, and yeah, I just proceeded to be really self-conscious about it, especially in school after that. Um, and of course, there were times when um, 
you know, I was asked to read aloud in class. That was a huge thing that I was like deathly afraid of as a kid. Um, and there were times when I was asked to read aloud and quite literally could not like every other word I would stop every other word I would stop. And you can hear people in the back of the class laughing or like the teacher would cut me off before it was my time to be done. Cause like, you could just tell I wasn't going to be able to get through it. Um, you know, and I think in middle school, especially like you just want to lay low and you just want to plow through and get it over with. Um, and so to have attention put on yourself for something that's perceived as a negative thing was, yeah, it was really, really, really scary. Um, and yeah, that's really when I got more so into singing, especially around that time, because I needed that outlet and that escape. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think for me, what the most fascinating part of your story is, is your ability to turn this really bad situation into a good thing so quickly. Yeah. Like as people, and especially I know with things I've struggled with in my life, like my own personal story of sexual assault, you know, it took me three years where I just could not rise above what had happened to me. Like it just dragged me down for years. And I think that's such such a cool thing that you were able to do at such a young age that you were like, yeah, this really sucks and is humiliating in front of my peers, but I'm going to turn to this really positive outlet. And then basically you changed your whole life's trajectory. Yeah, what it sounds like. Well, and what was so crazy is I didn't really like performing. I really just liked singing um, just because I felt like I was somebody else. But like the performance piece of it, like, oh, my gosh, I would get so incredibly nervous every time I got on stage. I did not like to be the center of attention as a kid because of that. Um, I mean, so honestly, it wasn't until I started competing in pageants that I started to like genuinely like being on stage and performing. Um but but yeah, like I I saw singing kind of as my only way out of stuttering, which for me in a lot of ways felt like I was trapped in my own body because like I would have the words that I wanted to say or like I would be in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, I know what I want to say next, but like it's not going to come out, you know, and I could tell like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to say this. So how can I word it in a different way, you know, so where the stutter isn't an issue. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of navigating and especially as a kid, that's a lot to deal with when you're trying to figure out like, where do I fit? What do I want to do? Who am I going to be? Um, and I was just really focused on like, am I going to be able to have a conversation with somebody today and not be brutally embarrassed by it? So, yeah. You're like, ooh, baby steps. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll, um, yeah, have a convo tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. So yeah. you're 14. Mm-hmm. When you decided to compete and it was a friend from singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was wild. Um, I got talked into competing um, by a close friend that I had. And she was like, you know what? I think you would be great in pageants. Um, it's basically just a glorified talent competition. And I was like, sure, great. I can sing. Awesome. Um, and she neglected to tell me about um <laughs> how heavily weighted the phases of other competition were. So I knew that there was talking involved. I didn't know really to what extent. Um, And I did my first local competition in the Miss Texas Teen Organization when I was 14. Um, And yeah, that was kind of the experience that kicked off my whole life a little bit. I feel like in a lot of ways, I signed up for that, didn't know what I was getting into walked into it. Um, and you and I both know from like doing a lot of different local competitions, but most of the time, the first thing that happens when you get there is you go to, um, a rehearsal, right. Where you have to practice like introducing yourself as you will on stage in the competition later that night. Well, that was my worst fear. Like that quite literally was my worst fear of like, I have to introduce myself. I have to say my own name in front of all these people. I have to say like, my contestant number, like what happens if it doesn't come out? Like, oh my gosh, you know? Um, And so at that pageant, especially, like I just remember being really embarrassed in that rehearsal because I stuttered throughout that rehearsal. Um, I went into my private interview, which at the time I think was like six minutes when you competed on the local level as a teen, um, stuttered in that entire interview. Like, don't know if I got through a single question. I got out of there. I cried when it was over. Um, And then on stage that night in the competition, um, this is really like the the thing that has continued to just stick with me and has been kind of like the guiding factor of my whole life in a lot of ways. Um, I did the onstage question. And for me, like that was my biggest fear is standing in front of a hundred people and stuttering in front of them and having them see like, oh my gosh, she has a problem. Right. Um, and that happened. I was asked a question about my platform at the time 
and um, I wasn't able to answer it. Like I had the words in my head, just could not get them out. And so instead I stood there for about, it felt like a million hours, but I think it was like a minute and a half. Didn't really say any words and pretty much just walked off stage. And like, that was it. Um, And it was kind of that experience that I realized like I had faced my biggest fear ever. Like that was like my biggest fear and I faced it and I didn't die. So I don't know. You might as well just kind of push past it and see where life can take you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I did not know that. Yeah. It was crazy. I cannot even imagine your poor mom in the audience. Just probably my, I know my mother bites her nails during onstage question and I just cannot even imagine. Like she was just probably so stressed out for you. But honestly, she's the reason that I didn't walk away from it because, oh, oh my, oh my gosh, we got in the car that night and I was just sobbing. I was like, I'm never doing this again. That was so embarrassing. Oh my God. You know, I'm like freaking out. Um, and she was like, you know, Landry, you can quit. And I would totally understand if you never wanted to do another pageant again, you tried it. I'm proud of you. Um, but also think about like how much better you would get if you kept doing it. And that was kind of the thing where I was like, you know what, she's onto something here. Um, because maybe the more that I do it, the easier it'll be. And maybe I won't be afraid of talking to people anymore. Um, and so, yeah, she actually really came in clutch that night. She was like, what happens if you don't quit? And she gave me time. She gave me space. And I eventually came around and competed two more times um, that season before I finally won a local title, which took me to Miss Texas team for the first time. So, yeah, she was very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Moms are the best. Yeah. Kind of, they're kind of the best. To me, that seems like such a pivotal moment. Like yeah. in that moment, you really could have just chosen to walk away. Because why, why would you want to put yourself through that again of sitting up on stage and being so embarrassed? Like there's so many people who would have been yeah. like, hell no, Literally. I'm, I'm out of here. So I think that really speaks to the type of person you are that you were like, okay, why not just try it again? Yeah. Well, and I, and I think for me, and I didn't frame it this way when I was competing in pageants, but there, there was this fear for me. Um, like an underlying fear of like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to be successful in life if I can't have a conversation, if I can't like connect with someone. And so um, for me, I viewed the pageant as kind of like a, I don't know, like a last ditch effort to be able to talk because I had tried everything, right? Like I had tried the speech therapy thing. I had tried just trying to push bash, just push, push past, good Lord. Um, the the stutter and it didn't work, you know? And so for me, this is kind of a last ditch effort. Um, and yeah, so I, I think I stayed competing with this expectation that like, okay, if I just continued to do it, maybe it would fix itself. And like, maybe I would be able to have a conversation. Um, yeah, but that's why I continued to just because I think for me, it was kind of like a desperation thing in a lot of ways. Um, and it grew to be a lot more than that, but in the beginning, that's very much so what it was. So Gotcha. So what was between that? So that, that first one, when you yeah. were 14 and then you did, yeah. how many more did you say you did two, or two three more? I did okay. two more. In that season. Yeah. 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 What, what did the difference look like? So when your mom, you and your mom talked on the car ride home and you're like, okay, give me some time, whatever. And then you decided to compete for another local. Did you prep differently or like, what did uh-huh. that look like trying to overcome that stutter to, to yeah. win a local? Um, gosh, it was like a million years ago. I remember actually shout out Heather Sumlin. Uh, she is like an interview and a mental management coach in Texas. Like, um, I was working with her at the time. Yeah, she's the best. Um, I was actually working with her at the time. And I remember one of the things that she said to me when it came to onstage question was like, just get on stage, answer what you can and get off stage. Don't feel like you have to elaborate. Don't say like you have to um, say any more words than you need to just like get on stage and get off stage. Um, And I think that piece of advice, as dumb as that sounds, was actually really helpful um, because I started to realize like I didn't have to say things on stage or in the interview room, like the quote unquote perfect pageant way. Um, I could just give the answer that I was able to give and that would be good enough. Um, and that was kind of it. And so, um, I won my first title. It was like February of 2015. Um, and I think 
the more that you do it, right, the more confident that you are. But I just remember at that pageant, especially, I kind of um, become okay with this idea of like, okay, my answer is just going to be really short. I'm just not going to talk very much. Um, and that weirdly made me feel a lot better knowing that I didn't have to use a lot of words um, to have a good on stage question and a good interview. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. And then you went to compete at the the Texas competition and then flash forward to now. So how many times in total did you compete at a state level? Oh gosh. Um, okay. I competed for seven years in a row. Well, really almost eight, but I've been to state in Texas six times because we had COVID. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. But that, but, but, but that whole year we still had a title. Right. Yeah. Still yeah. Was, so still working. It, was, it was, it was still working. Yeah. But it was seven years total of like having a title almost eight. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of. Time. <laughs> yeah. So for people listening that don't know Landry personally, um, you did get first runner up two years in a row. Did. Yeah. And it would take us out. We would be here for hours if we tried to break down the pageant. <laughs> land. I call it pageant land because it's a lot, right? But basically, like yeah, no, like a good synopsis is that it's like boot camp, hell week, but yet so awesome slumber party with a lot of other amazing women. But just it's just long and tiring, and you put a year yeah. of your life and and your heart and your soul into it, and you know Landry just came so close every year, and all the other years made top five every year. Yeah. yeah. To me, that is the epitome of my mission and the people I get to interview of like just being knocked down, but then refusing to stay down and always coming back and trying. So I'm curious as to what your why was. And it, I mean, if it changed like throughout those six, seven years. Yeah. Um, oh, so that first year that I competed, I was 15, I was 14 at state. Um, my why was still kind of the same. It was like, just get through it. Just find a way to push yourself. I was not expecting to do well at all. And um, I call it the pageant bug. It's like, after you've done it once, you're like, oh my God, I have to do that immediately again. It was kind of the best thing ever. Um, so that was very much so my first experience, I was like, wait a minute, I did really well. I wasn't expecting to, I must do this again. Um, and so I kept competing in teen and I really just did it because it was fun. And it was like something else to do outside of school. I was super involved in like dance and theater and choir in high school. Um, so it was nice to have kind of an outlet that was separate from that. So that's why I stayed doing it through high school. Um, and then when I got into college, I um, decided to compete as a miss, um, which is the age older than teen. Um, primarily, again, just as like something to do outside of school. Like it really was just such a fun hobby for me. It was such a fun outlet. Also, the scholarship money is so insane. Um, and I went to a private fine arts college. So it was very pricey. Um, and so the scholarship money was really, really helpful. Um, but I think for me, my last two years that I competed, and those were the years that I was fresh runner up twice, um, the motivation really became how good can I be at becoming the best version of myself? Um, so I'm an actor. That's what I went to college for. Um, and a really big part of, you know, being involved in the professional musical theater industry is being able to market yourself as a brand. Um, and so I became really obsessed with this idea of like, okay, if I can get really good at being like the best version of Landry in a pageant, I can do that. And I can imitate that in real life in a, in a theater setting in a theater scenario. Um, and so that really was kind of what I loved most about pageants. Um, I loved obviously like the service aspect and the scholarship aspect and all of that was great, but I really just loved like how they forced me to be my best self. So those last two years, um, that really was kind of the why. And then also to just continue to prove to myself that like I can continue to push myself and continue to do things that I never saw myself doing. So like at 14, that was talking on stage in front of people, but like at 20, I never saw myself having a nonprofit. And it was something that I pushed myself to do because like I wanted to, um, not because I felt like I had to, to do well or to win, but because I really wanted to. Um, so that was another kind of motivator for me. It was like, how, how much can I push myself? And also how good can I just be at being me? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is totally, it's funny when people ask me why I like pageants, 
that's basically the the same answer that I give is that it it's literally a self development. Yeah, it is program to be involved in. Yeah. And, and I saw, you know, cause I was in school for musical theater. I, I saw the correlation between like when I was prepping versus when I wasn't like I was performing better. I was acting better. My work ethic was better. Like I was more engaged. I was more focused. I was more intentional, um, as an actor when I had a title versus when I didn't. Um, so that's, that's another reason that I really liked it. I felt like when I knew that I was coming back and I knew that I was trying to prep for something and I had, and I had a goal in mind, you know, I had an end date in mind. Um, yeah, it just made me a better, more focused human, which was great. Yeah. Do you have a specific moment you can think of where maybe something happened or you did something where it just triggered you remembering where you were in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you know, insecure, not confident. And then compared to the woman that you are now, I mean, I, I, I can picture you on stage, like just a dynamic speaker and this incredible performer, like at some point in the past couple of years, have you had that moment where you're like, holy cow, I I can't believe I made it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It happens all the time, actually. Um, literally just yesterday, um, (laughs) I, I mean, it's really crazy to me because I grew up loving um, theater and like musical theater. And I did a couple musicals as a kid, um, but I never really saw myself doing it because of the talking aspect. And so like that was always the thing that was kind of missing for me. Um, so there have been so many times um, where I think back on like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that I made all of this come true. Um, it happened yesterday in an audition. I um, did a really big like packet of audition sides and songs and I did a scene that was about 10 10 minutes long um and I got through the whole thing and it was great could not have gone better and I was like oh my god I think if 14 year old me saw me talk for 10 minutes straight like and do it well oh my god she would die um but like in pageants specifically oh gosh I I think every year I competed um right before they announced, you know, the top five, you're standing on stage, you're about to get announced. Um, you don't know if you're going to be in or not. Um, and I was very aware that like, just cause I had always done well, that nothing was owed to me ever. Um, so I always tried to like work and earn my spot. Um, every time they were about to call the top five, I felt 14 again, like genuinely, I felt like the kid that was on stage for the first time, that I kind of pushed herself outside of her comfort zone for the first time. Um, and that feeling kind of never went away of like, oh my God, I made it and I put in a year's worth of work and like, it's all coming to this head, like right now. Um, that was kind of a moment every year that would kind of stop me in my tracks a little bit. And then of course, every time I get up on stage and I talk and I do it well, um, I'm always a little surprised. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. That was actually fine. You know, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, oh, But, but yeah, I mean, I catch myself doing it all the time. I still do have a speech impediment too. Like it is still very much so a thing that I fight. And when I'm stressed or I'm tired or I'm upset or like I'm crying on the phone to my mom, like, oh my gosh, it comes out. Um, And so a lot of it for me is like, I have to reword things in my head. um, So I can tell like which words are going to be problems before I say them. Um, So most of the time I'm trying to think of other ways to go about saying things. So I don't stutter. So in a pageant setting or in an acting setting, um, you know, where you kind of can't really do that. um, It's scary to think that like, okay, I'm going to take this leap. I might stutter. I might not, but like, it doesn't matter. It's okay. It's part of who I am. And like, you can take it or leave it. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, um, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. I think about me as a kid a lot. Yeah. Yeah. One, I mean, what you had just said too really resonates with me personally, because I think that was a huge part of just this past year and and the person that I am now, when you said, um, like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. And I mean, we, we, we live in a culture that's saturated with social media constantly in your face and you, it's almost like you can't really just live your life. Like you constantly are seeing people that are prettier than you have more money than you work. You you know, it's just, it's just kind of the nature of, of the world that we live in. And so I know I struggled with that for years where I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. Cause I was like, what are people going to think about 
me? Like what, what if they think I'm not good enough, whatever. So what advice would you give to people that maybe just struggle with finding their worth or their confidence and how you were able to push past caring about, about what people think? Yeah. Um, first of all, I will say I do care. I do care a lot, um, about what other people think that is my work and I'm constantly trying to do that work. Um, and that doesn't really go away. Like just because you've achieved X, Y, and Z, it doesn't mean that it goes away. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice I could probably give, this is tough. So I could say a lot of things. Um, remind yourself daily what you're good at. Remind yourself what your strengths are. Um, I've been doing this a lot with acting and with auditions. Um, but you know, I, I find myself in really subjective scenarios a lot. Um, and what really helps me is I have to think about everything that I bring to the table, right? Like, okay, if it's an audition for, let's say, I don't know, Elsa in Frozen, I'm like, okay, I can definitely sing this. I can belt this. I can do the cool, like ice arms or like whatever it is. Um, think about things that you do well. Like if you are super detail oriented, if you're a hard worker, if you're super personable, like if you know how to connect with other people, like think of those things and don't let yourself forget them because you're not going to feel 100% every day. You're not going to feel like the best version of yourself every day and that's okay. And you shouldn't. Um, but if you know your worth and you don't let anyone or anything get in the way of that, even on those days, you're going to be okay. Um, and it took me a really long time to understand that. Um, but I think the older that I get and the more that I continue to find myself in positions where I need to be reminded of that, the more I realize like how much that really is important. Um, yeah. And how much you can also change your outlook and your mindset on life when you know what your worth is. I mean, I always say, know your worth and add tax. That's my truth. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Know your worth and add tax. I do it often. <laughs> that's incredible. No, that's so good. And I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure, honestly, just utilizing that practice. And if you wrote down, yeah. even just physically writing something down, Every Stick day, you know, X, Y, Z, this is what I'm good at. This is what I bring to the table. I know that's, I mean, I'm a huge journal girl. Like I, I just think it's so great speaking affirmations, putting them into existence, like so powerful. It just really does a lot for the way that you view yourself Yeah, and the con like just building confidence. Yeah. And this is something I started doing in college. So I'm not a huge, like journaler but I am a big bullet journaler like I'll just jot things down and a lot of them are affirmations and so for a while um I would put them on sticky notes and I would like pop them on my mirror um and so before I went to my jazz class or my ballet class you know I would look at okay I'm a hard worker I'm super focused I have great performance quality right um like I would look at all those things and I'd be like all right okay okay I can get through this class or I can get through this performance or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, it really does help. It really does help when you speak those into existence. You start to believe that. So I, I am curious if you have a, a really cool story of maybe a kid that you met at some point from when you were 14 to the end of your pageant career, even now, I know you still do work with, with the Live Fearless Foundation who also had a stutter and you know, if they just really looked up to you, like uh, I'm sure with all the things that you've been able to accomplish. Um, yeah. I just wanted to to hear if you had one of those. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have a lot actually. Um, I get a lot of DMs from parents, especially of, of kids that have speech impediments and they're always like, oh my gosh, thank you for talking about it. Cause it's not something that's really talked about. And the famous people that are in, that are in history who have them, um, they all grew out of them. So I think like Marilyn Monroe had one and she grew out of it. There's a lot of that. Um, but a story that stands out to me, let me think. Um, okay. In 2020, um, I met a little girl. She was from Houston. Her name is Layla Simone. She actually competes in pageant. She's precious and such a little talent and a light. Um, but she has a speech impediment. And when she started competing, you know, there was an onstage, like, introduction and onstage speech that she had to do as part of her pageant. Um, and she'd never really done it before. And so her mom was really scared that she was going to be self-conscious about it, 
that she was going to question whether or not she deserved to take up space in that pageant um, if, you know, she had the speech impediment. And so she reached out to me and she and I had several conversations about, okay, if you stutter on stage, it doesn't matter. You know, if you um, don't stutter on stage, it also doesn't matter. Like, I also feel like there's sometimes an extreme amount of guilt that comes in. Like when you talk about stuttering and then you don't stutter in front of people, I'm like, I can't turn it on or off, you know? Um, so we had a lot of conversations about that, but, um, I see a lot of myself in her, I believe she's like nine or 10 now. So she was really young at the time. Um, but, but yeah, she was very nervous about having to talk on stage. Um, she was very nervous about what other people were going to think. And, um, she kind of took a card from my book a little bit and started talking about it on social media, which I thought was really bold. And I think it really helped her kind of be more comfortable with herself and embracing that as a part of who she is. Um, so that's just one example, but, um, I've also worked with a number of different stuttering organizations just across the country. Um, so I've gotten to talk to a lot of people, not just kids, a lot of adults, um, that stutter in the workplace about their, experience. And I think there's just something really validating about knowing that you're not alone, you know, um, and knowing that it is something that is impacting 70 million people across the country. Um, and, and yeah, it, it feels like it is incredibly isolating because a lot of people don't really talk about it. And so, um, for me, a lot of my work has been just having conversations about it and kind of starting that dialogue. And it doesn't matter if you're seven or 70, it's a valid experience. So. Right. Yeah. And that's so powerful too, is, hearing it from a person like yourself where you're young, you're super accomplished, you're very beautiful. It's like, I'm sure if I was a kid and I had a stutter, I would think to myself, well, if she did it, I can do it. So even just you being you, you probably wouldn't even have to open your mouth to to give an encouraging speech or, you know, I mean, they could just look at you and be inspired. So I think that's really, really cool they were able to do that for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wish to like, when I was a kid that I had had that, you know, cause I'm the only person in my family that has a stutter. Um, and I, I always felt like I not was doing something wrong, but like that other people had to be concerned for me. Um, and if I had seen someone as a kid, you know, that was just doing their life in spite of it, you know, um, I think that would have changed my outlook. It doesn't have to be something that like you have to be ashamed of or people have to check in on you to talk about all the time. You know, um, it's not a problem that has to be fixed. It's just a card that you've been dealt and it's part of who you are. And that's the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I really just that exact line is what is a big part of how I've grown and how I've dealt with what happened to me in that my personality, I'm a fixer, like a thousand percent. Anyone that knows me, I feel like we're kind of probably the same. I'm like a little type A. And so I'll just look at myself and be like, well, I don't like this. So I need to fix it. Or I don't like this. I need to fix it. And I mean, you can do that with so many things in life, but you just can't do that to who you are as a human being, because no matter how hard you try, like you're never going to fix yourself. Right. So I love that. I love that, that it's like, this is who you are and deal with it in the best way that you can, but like, don't punish yourself for it. Don't beat yourself up for it. I mean, I think that's so applicable, not just to people who stutter, but I mean, a myriad of different things, so many different things. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a voice teacher in college who told me, you know, we're a finished product and a work in progress all, all at the same time. And you have to honor both parts of yourself. And that has really stuck with me too, of like, okay, you've accomplished a lot. And in a lot of ways, like, yeah, great, amazing slay. You are who you are, but there's also a lot of room to grow and you got to honor that too. Um, So yeah, just kind of leaning into that as well helps me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your current life. And you just recently moved to New York. Dead. I'm here. Which is just incredible. And honestly, I'm really jealous. What is, so top three things in in the past month, because you moved in July, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Top awesome. three things that have happened since I've been here? Um, no, let's go like top three th- favorite things so far about New York. 
Oh, okay. Love. American General. I love Central Park. I'm a big, like, I will go for a hot girl walk. Like, that is something I will do. Um, the fact that the park is a thing, I'm obsessed with it. Um, so it's probably one. I honestly, I love the subway. I love not having to drive. I also love, like, it's so convenient. It's, it's <laughs> I'm the best. Um, and then I think the third thing is kind of a hybrid. I just love theater like I love it I love watching it I love doing it I love going to auditions I love taking class I love like I just love it um and so to be in a city that is kind of dedicated to it and it just like I mean it's everywhere um it's just been so much fun and you also see a lot of famous people on the street and that's really cool yeah. <laughs> who's the who's the coolest famous person you've seen so far? I literally saw the Jonas Brothers. This 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 was not when I moved. What? This was back in March. Um, I was here with a friend and we were walking out of Anne Juliet. Um, it's a Broadway show, and we were walking like towards Times Square, I think, and they had just done a show um at a stage in Times Square. Um, and they walked past us and they were like walking in a like a pyramid formation it I didn't I it was so unreal <laughs> they had their sunglasses on and it was dark outside and I was like ah you're so famous it actually hurts um and I screamed really loud and Joe Jonas looked directly at me and waved so that was my oh. peach, peach that I think actually yeah the like, eye contact like there was really the well I mean I don't even know if there was eye contact because there were sunglasses involved but there was a oh, definite good point wave, definite wave Oh, yeah. he he for sure made eye contact with you. Sure, I know. No question. We definitely connected. We're probably in love. So, <laughs> I love that. So you are there. Uh, yeah, talk about what your life looks like right now. Because for people like me, where I've seen La La Land twenty times, but that is quite literally the extent of my musical theater knowledge. I just, I don't really know what the process looks like. Maybe what your goal in the next year looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, I will actually, I will start with my goal. Cause I think for a lot of people it's like Broadway or bust. Um, that's kind of the energy. Um, the thing about theater is it takes a long time. It takes a long time to get established. It takes a long time. A lot of the times to get to Broadway, to get the bigger jobs. Um, so for me, my life goal with theater is just to make money doing it. Um, it doesn't matter if it's like on a regional level, if it's on a tour, if it's, you know, on a cruise ship somewhere, if it's on Broadway, great, you know, um, but I would love to just continue to make money with it. Um, so that's, that's kind of my end goal. But as far as like the process of what my life looks like right now, um, my side job that I do most day days, all day, every day, um, I am coaching in pageants now, which is really fun. So that's kind of what I do on the reg. Um, but in terms of like acting and auditioning, um, I've had quite a few auditions and callbacks since I've been here. I've been here about a month. Um, but basically most auditions start as a self tape. So my agent will send me, um, a self tape, um, and I'll go in, I'll sing the songs, I'll do the scenes. If there's a dance involved, I'll do the dance. Um, I send that off. And if they want to see you again, then they call you back and most of those are in person so um when I go in person most of the time we'll start out with a dance call um where you learn a dance from the show and then after that they'll normally make a cut I've been cut a couple times that has happened um and then you'll get to if you don't get cut sing and read um and that's kind of the end of that you'll either go to another callback or it's the end of the process um but yeah there are a lot of steps involved but most of the time it starts with a self-tape so I do my self-tapes in my place here um but yeah, I, I've been in a lot of auditions. I love going in person and being able to like dance with other people and like read lines with other people um, and sing. It feels like a mini performance. Um, so yeah, I, I've had quite a few and then I'm also kind of doing my little pageant coaching thing. So the day to day is, is that, and then also it's really fun because I went to college for this. So all of my friends from school live up here because we're all doing the same thing. Um, so that's been really great to kind of reconnect with people that left, you know, before I did. So, um, yeah, it just, it just has been really fun. So I'm just hanging out with friends, auditioning and working pretty much. It. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Kind of their own so, down. <laughs> yeah. So to me, and I just relate it to things that I understand and know, right? And so I think of sales. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm a sales girl. Like, yeah, I did door-to-door sales. And um, you, you hear so many no's to ultimately get to the yes. But a lot of times the yes is really great. So I know for me, when I first went out and um, I did, it was like a summer internship. 
when I first started selling, it was just super difficult because I didn't quite know how to handle the nose. Um, and I, and that could be the same thing with anything in life. Like we're all going to hear nose, yeah. whether it be in career, just personal life, family. Um, so obviously you've been in musical theater, the world, that world for a long time. So I'm sure you were much more prepared than I was, but do they still hit hard? Like, do you have a ritual for after or like a, a pep yeah. talk or what, how do you experience nose? <laughs> yeah, this is kind of my rule. I started this actually when I was doing pageants. Um, I made a rule with myself anytime I competed and I didn't win or I didn't do as well as I had hoped I would have. Um, I give myself two weeks max to be upset about it. And then I move on um, with theater because there are so many auditions and so many roles. I give myself like three days max and then I'm over it. Um, I will say like not every role I'm super passionate about. So like there are some where I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I feel like I would have been great at that. And then there are some that I'm like, yeah, I don't really know how I felt about that. So sure. You know? Um, but I think advice on like dealing with nose in general, um, it goes back to that idea of like knowing your worth and adding tax, but also understanding that like most of the time a no has nothing to do with you. Um, this is something that I realized a lot competing. Um, but sometimes, you know, especially in theater too, like they are looking for just a piece of their puzzle, you know, and so they have a problem to solve, right? So you're either going to be the piece of the puzzle or you're not. And that's up for them to decide. It's not for you to decide. So your only job is to go in, do a good job, be prepared, you know, perform well. And then from there, it's on them. Um, and if you're not the piece to their puzzle, like that's on them, it's not on you. And I think it's the same thing with a lot of things, um, whether it be, you know, personal life or your career, you know, when you get a no, um, it's just simply a redirection. And most of the time, the no has nothing to do with you. It has to do with, you know, another situation or with someone else or like, with what the company needs or what the show needs. Right. Um, so the more that you acknowledge that, like take yourself out of it and just look at it from an objective lens as best you can. Um, that's really helped me a lot. Um, and it's something that I kind of take with me because with every no, I'm like, all right, cool. On to the next thing. Um, there will always be another audition. There will always be another opportunity, regardless of who you are. It's not going to be the last one ever. Um, so yeah, just kind of lean into that and just start getting excited about what's coming next. Yeah, that yeah. makes me think of Green Lights. Have you read Matthew McConaughey? Oh, I've never oh, read it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I you will totally, though. You totally, you totally should. It's amazing. He basically just talks about how that that's what life is. It's full of green lights and yellow lights and red lights. Yeah, and it's so not true. necessarily bad. They just will just redirect are. you or they just yeah. exist. Yeah. 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 And I I have become really lately, I mean, it's kind of funny that you say that. Like they just exist. I mean, I, I've kind of become obsessed with that idea lately of like, what's meant for you is not going to pass you by. So if it's a no, I'm like, okay, then that wasn't meant to be. It just is what it is. And you're going to move on and you're going to do something else. Um, and I try to extract all of the emotion out of it. Cause that's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No, which I is hard, <laughs> which is easier said than done, but <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, emotional intelligence, being able to master that and master your emotions is I, oh. I personally think just one of the absolute best things that you can do for your life because you get those in check and then no matter who tells you no, no matter what happens, like you're just like, cool. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that too, I think just comes with like experience and the more that you do it, you know, the easier it is, but yeah, no, it, it does help when you can take all of the emotion out of those types of things. Cool. Well, to finish the podcast, I kind of like to ask the same ish question for all my okay. guests. Um, and I know, and you've given a lot of really good nuggets of advice. So if it's something that you said earlier, that's great. But if you have something new, that's, that's awesome as well. Um, but I guess just what your biggest advice would be to someone who I guess would be you in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like is kind of in the throes of whatever life circumstance they're dealing with, whether it be personal issues or a health crisis or something at work. Um, 
yeah, just what advice you would leave with them? Mm, yeah. Um, ooh, I have a lot of things I could say. I, I think a lot of it comes down to um, being kind to yourself and having patience with yourself is really big for me. Um, but I think also understanding that like no situation is permanent right? Like life is not permanent. Um, I feel like a lot of the time when you're a kid and all you know is like what your childhood has been, or like if you are in a work environment and you just feel really stuck, um, you know, you, you kind of feel, I mean, it's really easy for us all to feel like our circumstances define us and they don't. Um, and so I would encourage you to lean into that idea of, there's another opportunity out there. Um, you are constantly changing. You don't know who you're going to be yet. Um, and that's okay. And, you know, if you're not a kid, if you've already had a job, if you've been out of school for 10 years, like you can pivot and change your life and do something totally different and like decide who you want to be tomorrow. If you want to be somebody different, um, because we're people and we have free will and that's, what's great. Um, so you're not stuck in your situation. You're not your life circumstances. Um, they just are, you know, so, take what life has given you and make the best of it. Um, and be intentional and be honest and be truthful with yourself about what you want. And when something is no longer serving you, don't be afraid to leave, um, and change and, you know, move, you know, like, like do what you want and change it up when you feel like you need to. Um, and if you're that seventh or eighth grader and you, you know, can't leave junior high yet, um, find things and lean on things and be curious about things that are going to help you make that change later down the road. Very cool. Yeah. I love that. Very insightful. Um, well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I will link Landry's Instagram, maybe your website. If sure. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So if you feel like you want to donate to her nonprofit, if you yourself have dealt with a stutter and just want to follow her and be inspired by what she does. Yeah. Give her a follow on Instagram. But I really appreciate it. And thanks everyone for tuning in and I will catch you at the next episode.